What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 8 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yep, I am in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my cousin, Paul Newtbar. From a young age, he did not have parents that were there for him. So my brother and I have adopted him as a brother, and he was on episode 11 of the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, ranked in the top five most listened to, really because he shared deep struggles, very vulnerable about life growing up in group homes and experience of his mother dying when he was very young. For much of his adult life, he did not want kids, but now he has a son that is three months old, and we dig into the realities of fatherhood, especially when he did not have a biological father that was consistent and stable there for him. Enjoy this conversation with my brother, Paul. We're trying to get rid of a cricket right now. I wonder if when we start talking, he'll get nervous. Oh, got him, dude. Sorry, dude. With the slipper. <laughs> Lord, put the slipper. Lord, forgive me. Dude, you didn't think I was going to get him, huh? No you way. never find a cricket. No. <laughs> you hit a wall and then he pops out of a crack. I still have him on the other side. Oh, out. my gosh. Classic. All right. We just committed murder. All right. Here we are. Another episode, Fatherhood Field Notes. And one that, uh, it's a second episode. So this is my cousin brother, Paul. Cousin brother from another mother. We had an episode, so this is going to be the normal ask the regular questions. Paul had his first baby. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Baby Bodie. Bodie Elwood Newtbar. Mm, such born a on badass name. February 1st. Yeah, that's a pretty cool name. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is, you know, there's a lot of new dads out there and a lot of men who have kids and there's a lot that goes with it. And I know with how vulnerable and honest you are, that it would be perfect to have a, a, a son, you know, three months in and to sit down and talk fatherhood. But before we do, I just, if somebody hadn't listened to the episode you and I did originally, it was a heavy episode. Uh, it's like the top five listened to. And I think just because the rawness of it. Yeah, it was pretty heavy duty. It was kind of wild to talk about some of that stuff too, because it was a lot of things that I had buried down. Um but just getting that, some of that stuff out, man, like I slept better that night, you know? Yeah, you called me the next day and you said that you slept better from getting some things off your chest that you actually hadn't said before. Yeah, your subconscious mind is pretty wild, man. So if you were to give a recap, you know, somebody can go back and listen to it, but what are some of the, the highlights that were big in that episode for you to share? Um, I think... Kind of like if I had to pick one highlight of it would be to kind of make your mess your message, you know. I had mm. somewhat of a messy life. 
um, chaotic and just full of just the unknowns, you know, constantly moving, bouncing around from group homes to group homes. And mom died when I was young, turned out it was from domestic violence and then dealing with learning all that at, you know, as a teenager, um, that your dad was the cause of your mom's death. That was kind of a lot to take in. And then still to this day, you know, I'm 35 now and I still have a relationship with the guy. It's not a good one, but it's, you know, it's a relationship show. So, you know, just kind of a lot. Maybe if you want to, before you dive into this, go recap. I think it was episode 11 um, on your podcast. I'll put it in the show notes and I'll say it at the beginning. Nobody reads show notes, dude. Do you guys read show notes? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so some heavy stuff. So you just shared, you know, the big highlights from it. Um, highlights is a weird word to use, but big. And so I, you know, you said you're 35 um, and with a three month old, which is relatively normal in this day and age. Um, you know, my brother and I have pretty much adopted you as a brother. So like I always introduce you as a brother, but um, just for people to understand, you know, it's like your mom passed away when you're a little kid. And I remember, you know, five years ago, you saying you didn't know if you want to bring a kid into this world, which I think a lot of people with your story will say. And so was there a transition for you where you you thought, okay, this world, though my worldview of it can be kind of dark, I think I could do different? Or what was the mindset or the switch for you to go, okay, my story wasn't ideal, but I still want to have a kid? Well, there was a few things. Uh, one thing is being 35 and I, my wife and I have been together for, you know, we're coming up on 16 years of, of you know, dating one another and been married for five. Um, it's like we've done everything else that you can do as a couple. You know, we've traveled all over the world and we've, we've partied and we've laid low and we've lived a simple life. And it was like, what's the next step? You know, almost kind of feeling selfish in a way of of uh not expanding our family and another thing was like i didn't want to bring kids into this world because it's such a i mean if you get caught up on things or not even caught up on things just you, you it's kind of messy around us it's a it's a sick we live in a messed up world and it's easy to just pay attention to how nasty it is and think like why would i want to bring a kid into this but i was listening to a podcast I think it was Ryan Mickler, or I might have even read it somewhere. Um, but anyways, they they were saying in order for the world to change, every good man needs to raise like five good young men, mm. you know, or young women, but sp- yeah. you know, specifically young men to, That's powerful. To, to make a huge difference in the world in order for things to change, to kind of offset this balance that we have that is just steadily decline you know like everybody says make america great again or whatever it's like i can't think of in my history when when everything when anything's even gotten better it just steadily continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse but they're saying you know if you have five kids or one that's you're raising these young men that are coming from somebody who has value and a good moral compass that that's the impact that that uh that ripple effect that does. So was that uh, was that a trigger for you to want to have a kid? Was partially that? Yeah, partially that, and then it's something that my wife really wanted. She really wanted to be a mom, and now seeing her with a kid, 
Um, today was actually the first day I had heard her say my son. You know, mm, she was doing a meeting with you this morning and she's like, oh, my son. I kind of stuck him in the back. And it just kind of melts my heart, man. Like seeing her with him makes me wish I had done this a lot sooner because of because of the fact that she's gone so long not knowing what it feels like to be a mother. Now she does. And I'm like, damn, she should have had this a long time ago. You know? Why is that? That seems emotional to you. Why? Um, because it's probably the most important thing that she's ever done. And I feel like I'm the one that held it up. Like she uh, probably would have been down to have kids a long time ago. And I was always like, no, you know, I've kind of lived not a selfish life because I'm pretty generous with my time and my things and my money, but selfish in a way where it's like I can do whatever I want when I want. And I kind of like that lifestyle. And that's been kind of a uh, something I need to adapt to. You know, now it's like, all right, plan on being late to everything, you know, Uh <laughs> You're going to be forgetting things more and you can't just jam out and go surf whenever you want or, you know, go ride your dirt bike. You got to really kind of plan ahead. Yeah. Do you think you were ready 10 years ago, though? Uh, fuck no. No way. Hell no, man. <laughs> 10 years ago, I'm 35. I was 25. No. I mean, I don't think I was ready now, you know, but I mean, at least now I'm like, I own a business. I own a house. I'm there my son has security and and that's kind of a huge thing rather than some wild ass kids getting pregnant yeah so i want to come back to the security thing in a minute but um when you you know before you had your kid you were very much you know worked with teens you know helped people out um working on building like a a place for teens and people to learn to do work you've always been very generous and passionate about those things and maybe a week, maybe not even a week, you know, whenever you came home from the hospital, you and I are standing in your kitchen, having a little glass of whiskey or something. And I mean, this is very quick. I was in the house for maybe two minutes, said our hellos and we're in there. And I asked you, I asked you something about how it felt, you know, all right, man, how's it feel? You're a dad now. And you just like with complete conviction looked at me and said, everything's different now. Everything has changed. But it was from a place of, it was from a place of maturity and knowledge and something inside of you. Do you remember that moment? Or do you remember that feeling of everything's changed? Yeah, I remember that feeling. And that feeling hit as soon as I found out Kim was pregnant. I was like, damn, like so excited, you know? And then like that, oh shit moment where you're like, my life's never going to be the same and it's totally unknown. Like I got lots of kids around me and nieces and nephews, but it's always like, you know, all the fun, none of the responsibility and, and actually being a parent. Like I can rattle your kids up with Red Bull and send them home if I want, you know, where it's like, this is, there's no, there's no backing out of, you know, I've just keep telling myself there are no do overs, you know, you get one chance to be a dad. Okay. So the scaredness or nervousness wasn't because of the lack of freedom you would have. Was it a lack of belief that you had what it takes? Mm, Just the unknown, you know, it's uncharted territory, you know, it's like, I just, 
it was so unknown to me. I didn't, I wasn't raised by a good father, so I didn't know. And I was a thing, like I even called my dad because I started freaking out and I asked him, I'm like, uh, where did you learn to be such an abusive person? You know, like, was your dad abusive and, and it's just something that you passed down or is this something that's hereditary and that I'm Were you gonna, scared? Fuck yeah, I was so scared because the answer I got was no, I had a great dad and my mom was great, you know, my, they never were abusive to me or anything like that. So then the wheels start turning like, oh, is this hereditary, you know, like, is this something I'm just going to lose my noodle one day and start beating on my family? And, and uh, so those thoughts started racing and but in but the main thing it was it was just it gave everything in life had a purpose like everything you know to to what car am i gonna buy so that my family is safe um as well as still be a badass fun car you know so i'm and then what am i gonna do for work my job i don't like very much but you know it provides but it was just a sense of like going out to work knowing that i'm not paying for the next vacation that i'm paying for basically my son's security so where i hope that someday you know when when i pass that he has something left behind that's that's of value you know not not in just tangibles but as a you know a good legacy to leave behind so you start educating yourself on you know on things that are father that that are good and a good father and just it was just such an eye opener and then having the kid was like, there's nothing that can prepare you for, for that moment, man. It's insane. So wild, dude. It's so wild. And you're like, tell yourself, Oh, I'm not going to look, you know, I'm going to do I'm, this shit scares me. It grosses me out, you know? And then your buddies start harassing you. Oh, she's going to poop and this and that. And you're just get all psyched out. But then when you're there, it's like tunnel vision, man. It's like, it's like all right. the most beautiful. It's amazing. It's it really is amazing, it's incredible. man. It's it's wild, and you just had. I just got such a better appreciation for my wife. Oh my and like gosh, what she yeah. was able to do, and and uh, dude, the pain that she went through. Like she did a natural birth, like where she was in so much pain. They finally asked her after like I don't know four or five hour labor, like, do you want something to take the edge off? And she's like, yeah, like I'll take I'll take it, give it to me. But wait, what is it? She said oh fentanyl and she's like no i'm good you know because that goes right to the baby's gonna come out fucking loaded you know so she toughed it out you know and if it wasn't for a few of the nurses in the hospital man i don't know how we would have done it because they were just so encouraging and all the decisions she was making some were questioning it and others would whisper in her ear you know that she's doing the right thing like for her kid like she's Mm. doing the right thing so mad respect for for moms out there dude yeah just speak up when it's you could tell it was probably taboo for them just to speak their peace of mind when they're pushing vaccines and different stuff yeah more just meant like the whole birthing process for your wife you know you see all the moms who give birth to a baby and it is next level. So you said another word. You said the same word again, security. So I want to come back to that in a minute. But I want to go back to the conversation of you and your dad. So he mm. had good parents. He turned out to be not such a great dude. Well, he was adopted at a young age. He was so he doesn't know his actual parents. He does, but he didn't know them until later in life. Um, but he was adopted at such a young age. Like 
I don't think there was anything that really could have gone down that would have stuck with him forever. So I want to ask you something that I don't know if it'll be hard or not, but for you, there was a switch like immediately, right? You find out your wife's pregnant. There was a switch. You see your wife give birth to your child. There's a switch. You come home in your secure, nice car. Bring your kid to your home. Picked up a, a guy stranded on the side of the freeway. Yep, still helping people even on, on the, the way, way home. home from the hospital. There was a guy ran out of gas and he was like in a really dangerous spot on the highway. So I pulled over and gave him a ride. Yeah, you'll help anybody anywhere. But I want to ask you this. There's a switch that went off for you. Do you think that switch went off for your dad when you were born? And I know that's hard maybe to think about. Yeah, for sure, dude, for sure. And so you think so that there funny. was. Yeah. It's so funny you say this because Aunt Susan, our aunt, uh, sent me a package for my... No, I don't it wasn't for my birthday, but just sent me a package the other day. And there's a picture of me and my dad. And I'm probably four months old. And he's clear-eyed and he's sober and he's happy. And I'm happy, and you can see that it's just, yeah, the switch definitely flipped, you know? And uh, Interesting. So then it was his choices after that switch was flipped, and a choice led down a path that led to some yeah, sad my dad gave up everything for one thing, and it's alcohol. You know, mm. when he could have given up one thing and had everything, mm. he chose booze over his four kids, you know, over and over again. And you were the first, right? I was the first, yeah. And then, yeah, I was in group homes, and then the ne- I didn't see my dad in years. And then he shows up with, like, a new family. He had a girlfriend, Lisa, and a son, Shane, and was living in Maine. And I was like, damn, this guy's just totally don't don't need me no more you know and then he abandoned shane at like five or six years old so it was he had a crutch or a disease or an illness or whatever an addiction that capped everything and so he had that switch that same switch internally went off for him but there was something in his world that didn't allow him and it's really his own choices but to embrace that i mean he did something fucking terrible like that, like, I don't know how you could ever forgive yourself of, you know, right? What so I then mean? there's like so he, then that that medi- being medicated, yeah, maybe like, needed to continue after the I, death of your mom. I think if I were in his shoes and my son's three months old right now, you know, I was five months old when my mom died. If I went downstairs drunk and beat my wife and she died, I'd I'd fucking blow my brains out or hang myself in a jail cell. You know, he's lived with this for now 35 years. Right. And had three other children to let the system raise. Mm -hmm. But I think that the point of my question, which was not what I thought you were going to say, was that the switch did go off inside him. So I am curious to know then is, does this go, you know, does this go off for every man? When every man finds out he's going to be a father, is there something instinctually that goes off inside them that, that, because we don't see that. We don't talk about that. It's very clear. A woman's pregnant. You see her transform over nine months. You see her go through and an amazing birth. And then you see her possibly nurse the baby. And then, I mean, it's very clear. There's this rite of passage for a woman in hearing what you said. I believe that to be true for men as well. I mean, I saw it in you. It's different. It's different in the way, like when I found out, 
she was pregnant like I was on fire. I was so stoked. Couldn't wait to tell everybody, you know, but that candle kind of burns out, you know, it kind of dims out after the excitement. Why do you think that is? Because nine months is a long time. Do you, you think know? it's because you don't know what your role is? Do you think that it's because you don't know what to do? I really don't know. I'd have to have another kid to answer that, to compare it to, you know, yeah. I've only got the one, so I don't really know, but I know that for sure I was on fire. And then for a while, I mean, not that I wasn't still stoked, but it's just like, Hey, my wife's pregnant, you know? And then it's like go time and baby's here. And then it's like the most amazing thing ever, you know? Yeah. And then you go through the ups and downs like babies screaming and crying and you don't have a tit, bro. You're not shutting him up. Like for Kim left for Bible study one Monday at 5.30 and that baby screamed, Bodie screamed from 5.30 till 7.45 and she walked in the door at 7.50 and a baby sound asleep, you know, and she comes home, it's all peace and quiet, but it was just job. chaos for, you know. How do you feel in that? I mean, I mean, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of screaming, yeah. it's, it's tough. It's really tough, man. It's really tough. You're just like, you know, it's the only thing he knows how to do, you know, right. is like cry. And at that point he was like a month old, you know, and I'm like, I don't, you don't want, you know, you don't want the bottle. I'm standing, I'm sitting, I'm trying everything, yeah. you know, and I'm like, nothing works. But mom in one second can shut him up with some, some titty action, you know? So I shut, shut you up too, huh? Yeah, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you've mentioned this word security a few times. And I think that, you know, a lot of dads, when you ask them, what is it? What's the role of the father? The idea of provider and protector comes to to surface and you you said you know as soon as you found out she was pregnant you wanted to prepare for that okay what's a car that still gives me the identity i'm looking for but is a safe car so you get a ford raptor right you identity but you know i like fast shit i like to have fun i'm not trying to get a that's who you are yeah that's who i am Yeah. yeah so talk to me a little bit about provider and protector and how you see that play out. And you said it a few times in security, you know, bringing them to a safe home and stuff like that. And then I want to give you some, some thoughts I have and see what you think. Yeah. I just think, you know, a sense of security is, is calmness, you know, like he's coming home, mm-hmm. not just to a house that has the four walls and a roof, you know, he's coming home to a house that like through the whole entire pregnancy, mom and I, keep very chill vibes you know like we live in the mountains we got a creek running through the backyard our house is a cabin we like play good music we have artwork you know like it's it's not it's security and knowing that there's comfort in the home and it's not just coming home to a house that has money and and you know there's food in the fridge and the bills are paid but that my son is is not scared because mom and dad are arguing and fighting and not scared because dad comes home from work in a bad mood or just burned out, you know, and you don't know what buttons are going to push, you know, that's the security I'm talking about to where my son feels secure in his home. And he might not know yet, but soon he will, you know, and it's got nothing to do about, it's got nothing to do about the money and the, and the, and all the other shit that people might think security has to do with. It's knowing that 
Like he, he feels secure in this home because of the relationship and the foundation that mom and I have worked on. And we worked especially on through the pregnancy, you know, like there's times where we're like, you know, we're married, we're going to argue and yeah. shit gets heated and you want to raise your voice. But I'm like, Hey, my, our son's in there and he is vibing on everything that's going on around us right now. Like, let's take some time put on some good music chill we'll come back we'll talk you know and then even like through here like we've we had an argument the other night but it was like three o'clock in the morning baby was screaming and i don't know what happened i woke up and said something that pissed her off and we went back and forth and then i just went downstairs and gave her some space and came back up and that was the end of it. We didn't talk about it again the next day. It was all water under the bridge. We probably don't even remember what the hell we said, but you know, and that that'll happen from here from time to time. But the the word security to me is that there is there's no chaos in this house. You know, man. I think everything you said is so powerful. And any dad listening, whether you're about to be a dad, you're a new dad, or you've got kids your job as and that you know security could fall kind of in the middle of provider and protector but i love the word you used calmness you use the word like chill vibes um use the word not a chaotic home chaos there's not chaos here dude that is your job your job is to provide a home of stability yeah, and that's some hard ass work, dude. dude. It is to man. not come home as a dickhead after a long day of work. Whether you, mm-hmm. you know, you said at the very beginning, you don't love your job. I hate my fucking job. And Anyone there's a, out there thinking about owning a plumbing business. Think again, dudes. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody shows up to a job, and some of us love it, but it doesn't have to be the thing that gives us all the things we desire as men, the value, the respect, the love that we're leaving a mark. I know great fathers that hated every day of the job they work, but they worked the same job for 40 years and now are retired with a million dollars in the bank and, you know, a million dollar house that's paid off and their kids are happy. And, and it was because of dad who went up and freaking did what he hated to do every day. But in a way, you're providing for your family. You're not doing it for yourself anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked our grandfather, do you like your job? I think that would have been a foreign question to them at that time. Like, do you like your job? What do you mean? I go to my job because I am providing a f- for my family. Well, he did women's hair, so I'm pretty sure he liked his job. <laughs> yeah, but you think about most grandfathers out there in, in the, the age they lived in, where it was the factory job, the company job. Yeah, well, he you was know, in the They war. worked for 50 years yeah. at the same spot. Now, I do think that today you find dads a bit more engaged with their children than you did 50, 60 mm-hmm. years ago. Well, back in the, the day, like, stuff. not even that long ago, 100 years ago, if your dad was a farmer, you were a farmer. You know, very few people didn't follow in their family's yeah, footsteps true. on what they did. If your dad worked as a, a cobbler and did shoes, you know, you know what? You were probably going to be a cobbler too. And, and uh, now we just have so much opportunity where you could really be whatever you want. It sounds cliche, but it's true. Yeah, it's pretty true. Know? Like, so then why are you a plumber still? Dude, why am I a plumber still? <sighs> well, a few reasons. Um, I found it really hard working with youth to pay bill to like to actually make an income. 
Um, and that was probably a lot to do with my network. And the, probably the main part is, is, um, it allows me a lot of freedom and it makes me a fair income, you know, I'm not balling, you know, but I'm not broke. And I have, if I, you know, I have a good amount of free time to, to make my schedule and do what I want, but it's, you know, the fact that I'm still doing it and probably bitch about it every day. Um, I just haven't, I'm comfortable, you know, I guess. And going out and doing something different is uncomfortable and I like being comfortable. Yeah. So how, when you are not in love with your job, do you come home and still create a calm, non-chaotic home? Dude, it's easy to leave it at work, you know, Mm. most of the time. Sometimes I get the late night calls and the text messages and the people haven't had a kitchen in a week because they were remodeling and they have to have it now. And sometimes it does get frustrating and I get a little short, short on uh patience, but for me, it's really easy. I hear. A- so let me ask this. Okay. Is because I see you adore your wife. So even pre Bodhi, I see that you adore your wife, Kimmy. Yeah. So even when you're coming home, I get the sense that, you're excited to come home and see her. And dude, yeah, so why so why is that? Cuz I don't know that every dude feels that way because I think they've allowed bitterness or comparison to get in. You know, it's like when you're you're like you she didn't haul a toilet up, you know, 10 flights of stairs today or you know, whatever. So how do you come home and you still have this adoration for her? You choose to see her in a certain light. I think a lot of that. it is transparency you know like her and i are we don't really have secrets from each other and we if something's on our mind we talk about it you know because how do you approach her to talk about something man it's just so naturally you know and how'd you cultivate that relationship we've been dating since we were teenagers yeah but so many people have that yeah so so how did you cultivate that relationship how did you cultivate a relationship of honesty and openness I mean, she's still to like this day, my best friend. So it's just like our relationship. It's like dating, you know, being married to one of your homies, you know, Mm. like we do, like we're on the same page with so much stuff that I don't really know if there's one thing that I can put my finger on to say like, Hey, this is the, this is the key to, you know, having solid communication. But I think just, our transparency that we just so being transparent, see, being transparent over course of years and years and years. Yeah, and then for sure picking your battles. Like, there's a lot of shit that, like, I'm sure I do that. But I, mean, I know I do that bothers her, where she's just like, "It's who he is," you know. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm not gonna change the fact that this guy is obsessed with cars and wants to bring every damn piece of shit car home that he sees. You know, like. I'm sure it bugs her, but she's like, well, you know. So do you do the same thing for her? Oh, yeah, totally. So what are those things that bother you? <laughs> Just kidding. Plead the fifth, bro. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's hilarious. No, nah, like uh, she's a super loud chewer, you know. So. Oh, you don't like, you can't be around anybody <laughs> chewing. Okay. Um, um, okay, so, 
So we talked about your dad. We talked about that that coming home and this switch that went off, provider, protector. Okay, so I asked you provider, protector, and we dug into the stability of the home. Um, we dug into, um, you know, going to work, maybe not loving what you do, but going to work and providing for the family. But there's something that you shared and you do provide for the family, but sorry, it's not just money, it's time. So you've chosen, you've chosen to make time a priority. Yeah, I did. I texted you something earlier today, 16 hours. Yeah, and I question marked you back and yeah, you never responded. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll get to the 16 hours in a second. But a big, huge thing when I was going, when Kim was like six months pregnant, I went and did, uh, I don't know what you would call it, like a, a men's retreat, I guess you would say. Um, and through the men's retreat, I got involved in this mastermind program. And I want to say that a lot of the people in the mastermind program are wealthy, like financially. And then going through it, I saw a lot of stuff in there or people talking about how dedicating time to their family is important, you know, Mm. but then I started to hear the numbers on how much time these people set aside to dedicate to their families. And it was not to shit talk anybody because everybody's busy and has lives, but you know, five minutes in the morning to dedicate to play with your kids and 20 minutes at 30 minutes when you get home to sit and talk with your kids is bullshit. You know, somebody said to me today, if you had 17, if you had seven days to live, what would you want to go do? And my initial, my initial, uh, answer was go surfing <laughs> you know yeah. i got seven days to live man i'm gonna go surf you know and then he's like you only got 16 hours a day so it's not seven days it's 16 hours a day and typically that is what how how long we're awake for you know yeah 16 hour average and it really made me think like what and and this is new to me because this this concept just came to me today but that 16 hours how do i want my 16 hours to look and it's not giving my best energy to my job you know so where i come home and i'm so stoked for that 20 minutes that i get to spend with my son before it's bedtime and then i have to go back to the office and do estimates and invoicing and all that it's more like spending that 20 minutes on work every day you know and then 15 hours and 60 or however whatever the math works out 15 hours and 20 minutes 40. you know get to spend with your son yeah i'm not a very good at math <laughs> um but you spend a bunch of time with your kid yeah but i so, spent a bunch of time with my kid like today i went and did a job i had a job at eight o'clock i went and did it kim had a meeting at 10 o'clock i was home hung out with my son for like a couple hours you know chilled out went back to work did another job came home hung out with my family had dinner on the kitchen floor and the sun was on the carpet and played guitar while I ate a bowl of noodles and not a, like a bowl of pasta and just a simple dinner, man. And it was the best night chilling on the kitchen. Floor, Most your days know? look like that though. Don't they? Yeah, they do. Sorry. Everyone out there. No, don't be sorry. 
lead by example. I sometimes feel bad about it, you know, but I've set myself up to where I, I can live simply dude. Like I don't have, I have a mortgage payment and I have a car payment and that's the debt that I have. And even that I'm uncomfortable with, you know, like I don't, I don't like the, like a lot of people are credit rich and cash poor and, you know, I choose to be different, you know, and, and I'm, I'm 35 years old. I've never had a credit card and it, has been a blessing and a curse. You know, I can't buy shit. It's tough when I want to go finance something because I haven't established credit by accumulating debt, which is so weird to me, the concept of how they want to do loans. But anyways, uh, I just have set myself up to where I don't necessarily need to, to like do the day-to-day hustle of you know 10 hour days and 50 hour work weeks and all that yeah so when you go back to the providing piece so paul who's providing you've chosen to provide calmness stable home and one in which you spend a significant amount of your 16 hours with your children with your child and your wife and it sounds as though when you take that seven day period, you're not saying, okay, well, my 16 hours on Saturday and Sunday, those are the days that are primarily for the family. Yeah, man. That's just, that's just crazy to me, dude. It's difficult, man. I mean, I spent a lot of time right now. Yeah. Grinding and yeah. working on my businesses. Yeah. I look at our uncle Mike, you know, and he's 52 now, I think, and he's just retiring. He owned a plumbing business for, probably 30 years and when I was growing up I'd spent a lot of time with him and uh time is one of our most valuable things that we have to give it is our most valuable thing we have to give you know we'll never get it back and the time that I got to spend with Michael was constantly robbed by phone calls or running into people he knew or having to go look at this job and he had to hustle and grind I get it but growing up, I told myself I didn't never want to be that, you know, that that guy who is so distracted um, but because I have to, because I have this career that is now turned into a company with employees and all that. So I'm trying to get out of it to. So then what's the flip side to it? So you've talked about the good clearly, right? So what's the flip side? So. To play devil's advocate, the guy who's grinding out, spending 50 hours a week building this business, you're spending 20, 25 hours maybe, 30? Yeah, I don't even want to say out here, but yeah, probably yeah. less than that, man. Okay, so where's the downside? My, I hope none of my customers listen to this because as far as they know, I'm working 80 hours a week, man. <laughs> yeah, because you have a perception of, a, of yeah. a business and it's your business. You can run it how you want. Yeah, exactly. But what's the, the flip side, right? So you have something where you're building something, but it is really a lifestyle business for you. You got the guy who's working 50 hours thinking he's, you know, going to have college and weddings and retirement paid. So is there a downside to the path that you're choosing? Or Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of plateaued at this point with my business to where I have two choices i either completely stop doing it or i scale it and make it sellable but why can't you go in the middle 
Why does it have to no be the middle two? ground? Like if I'm going to go and make myself any busier, it's like you go all the way. Because I'm not going to do the fucking chaos of of running a service plumbing business to just go a little bit more than where I'm at now. And be the be the guy who's working yeah, 80 hours a week exactly. just grinding. Because I'll be that guy that's working 80 hours a week and then trying to find employees where we're at has proven to be very difficult. Um, either everybody is got their own business or they're they don't want to work i, I don't make know. more off unemployment right now they make more off unemployment and a lot of people grow dope up here where we're at so they make good money doing that as well but yeah so i'm at this point in my business where it's like okay take it to the next level hire a secretary hire office manager hire some some journeyman plumbers buy vehicles and it just none of it sounds appealing to me because I've worked for the past five years to have a leisurely lifestyle. You know, I wanted to retire at 40. That was my goal. And then baby. So I think I still can retire at 40, but I'm going to have to figure out a different game. This isn't good for my body. You know, this job beats me up, jacked my back up today. And, um, and mentally it's tough, man. Like I really, I, I love people and I like helping people, but a lot of times I just don't care so much about people's problems or their leaky shower or their faucet or whatever needs to be done or their, you know, people don't have any money and they're doing their 10th remodel on their house and on a budget. It's right. Just, but at this point, the, the trade off for you is say 20 hours of your week to make a good enough income that you can spend 60 hours with your family and provide a home and have very little debt. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what a good enough income actually is. Yeah. It's interesting concept. It's it's like, what do we, you go look at the median income, but then you look at the credit card debt, right? Most people spend 110% of what they make because they could go borrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, what do you base that off of? What's the lifestyle you want? But I think that's a fantastic question because you're asking like, what do I want to give my son? Whereas if you live on a street and you're comparing to what everybody else and everybody else is just like, we all like, I cannot stand driving down a suburban neighborhood or any neighborhood for that matter and seeing six basketball hoops. I'm like, what? That makes zero sense to me. In one yard? No, yeah, no. In like, like every neighbor has their own basketball. Yeah, hoop. like why don't the kids play together? Yeah, like anymore? what happened to the basketball court at a park on every, you know, just around the corner, and we would all go play together. It's like, oh, Johnny across the street got a basketball hoop. I need one. It's like it just is so strange to me, but. My point in asking Keeping you this. Keeping up with the Joneses, man. It's what exactly what it is, you know? Yep. Yep. We, we so don't. then how do you choose that lifestyle now that you have a son, three months old, and you have conversations with your wife? What's the life that we want to provide? How do you keep it simple? How do you keep it in that state without it being about keeping up with the Joneses? Um, well, that goes into like number crunching. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um one thing that's Kim and I have always talked about is raising our, when we do have kids, raising them by the beach. So, uh, weird enough thing is, is, uh, we've talked about moving to Hawaii since we started dating, like just let's run away and move to Hawaii. And we always talk about it. And then, um, but now that we have a son, we've been talking more and more about, you know, moving towards the coast. So talk to me about that as far as like keeping a, a simple life. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we got a little distracted. So my, a simple life to me is, dude, no mortgage, man. Like, uh-huh. like, like getting out of my mortgage. I, I don't owe that much on my house, but I feel like with interest and fire insurance and all this crap, like. Why do you think most people have just accepted that a car payment and a mortgage payment is something they will always have? Because it's easy. You know, it's easy. It's consistent. People get content and where they're at, you know, like I know like Kim's dad just sold his house. He's owned for, I don't even know, like 30 years and he still had a mortgage on it. 30 years later, he's borrowed against it. You know, not that's just how people live. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. I was raised like if you wanted something, you saved for it and you bought it. Who taught you that? My grandpa. You know, did they have their house paid off? Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, they bought that house for probably fifty or sixty thousand dollars. I think they bought it for forty grand 40 in like grand, yeah. yeah. They had it for like sixty years or something yeah. crazy. And they sold it for seven seventy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, but I mean, now I mean, back then it's like, did you pay off a fifty thousand dollar house? Like that sounds easy. You know, like how many months do I need to do that? But now it's like. is what I owe. My house is probably worth five. So there's 250 grand in equity sitting there. But where we live, I can't sell my house and go pay cash for something. But in Hawaii, I could sell my house and pay cash for something pretty easily. And that, to be able to live by the ocean, raise my family by the beach surf daily that's my church you know and i moved three hours from the beach so that's like been really difficult for me to be up here to where like in the winter time i go through depression because it's like it's cold it's rainy it's shitty the beach is three hours away several times i've gone down there to catch surf and it's just flat and dead and then i get home and the next day it's just cranking you know and you just made like a six hour round trip drive to go get some waves and there's nothing and then you're home looking at the swell and it's like son of a bitch you know should have hung out another day so so there's some big ahas that i want to to just like recap before we wind down here is one, you didn't let your story dictate the dad you were going to be. Yeah, maybe it delayed your timing in having a child. Oh, I think it dictated the dad I'm going to be. How so? For sure, but in a positive way. So how did you choose that? Because you're drinking a beer right now. You're still, you know, so, but you haven't allowed those things to rule over you. Oh, that beer is no alcohol in it. Oh, yeah? It's a, a Sam Sam Adams. Oh, Sam beautiful. Sam <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, let's see. I feel like, well, I got drunk like maybe a month ago. I got drunk one night. Everything fine. Nothing, nothing crazy went down. I just got drunk probably. But I think I was with Kim's dad, got drunk, woke up hungover and was like not feeling good. And I'm holding a screaming kid with a hangover. It was the most miserable fucking thing I could think of doing. Like, you know, you've been hungover before, right? You Mm -hmm. just feel like total dog shit. And now you have an infant screaming at you. And I found myself getting mad at the kid for crying. 
And I'm like, I'm only mad because I drank the night before. And this, in the moment. It really so in that moment, how are you able to be self-aware and go, I'm the one with the problem right now. And it's not like, uh, I'm not saying like I have a drinking problem. I'm saying I just feel sick right now. This yeah. is my doing. And then choosing to not react, but to self-reflect and make a positive decision out of that. Man, I just feel like I was raised by a different generation that like there in 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 the family I grew up in, if you were fucking up, there was no holding back on telling you you were fucking up. There was no beating around the bush. If you needed an ass whooping, you were getting dragged around the corner, you're getting an ass whooping, you know, like and not not and this isn't even from my dad. This is like, you know, from, from grandma and grandpa and uncle Don, like, right. So, which, so here, here's where I'm getting at. So when I find myself in these moments where I'm obviously at fault and at wrong, I have no problem telling myself, like, get your shit together. I don't sugarcoat stuff to myself. You know, I'm holding a baby and I'm feeling like shit and I'm hung over. It's like, yeah, you dumbass, you got drunk last night and you're a dad with a newborn, you know, like, now you're going to spend the whole next day, the whole day hung over and a day with your kids wasted when you don't have any do-overs, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I heard something on your podcast with someone else where the guy said, today could be the day that your son remembers for the rest of his life. Yeah. And I was like, damn, dude, like that could be the day at three months old where he's remembering his dad hung over and shitty in a bad mood because of something dad did you know right so i feel like one having family that didn't sugarcoat shit with me when i was screwing up two is that carrying over to myself to like being able to know when to check yourself and and a lot of people you know it's easy to make excuses oh i'm just older i'm hungover because my body doesn't handle alcohol the same way it's used to which is true but i still choose to but drink. you're choosing not to be a victim and play yeah. those those things yeah exactly so, dude, we learned, we, dude, so much, man, from, from fathering to stability to security to how to live a simple life to choosing a simple life to our time and being aware of it and choosing what we do with our time and maybe not going for, you know, 2x the income, going for X, but having 2x the time and making that decision, you know, making that decision, calculating the numbers. How do I, where can I live? How do I live where I can have no mortgage, where I'm not a slave to the hourly rate that I can get out of some company? So I love these things you're talking about. And I know that it gets my mind turning and I know it gets all the listeners and dudes out there on the adventure of fatherhood, their minds turning too. So I just want to go back for one moment as we wrap this up. Now that you are a dad, and there's this moment where you go, everything has changed now. Is there anything else on your mind or anything else inside of you that you feel like you want to share with any new dads out there as you're like right at the three month window where Bodie's probably coming out of a little bit of the wild for six Dude, weeks? First six months or the first three months are brutal, bro. Dude, it's gnarly, man. And then like now he's just like so aware, like. It's it's crazy. So tell me the first time, you know, like I know how heavy that first six to 12 weeks is, but the first time he did, what was the first thing he did where it, it's almost like all the hard stuff just kind of melted away? 
that first time he like recognized me when I walked in the room, you mm. know, where like their vision's not very good. Um, till they're a couple months old, two months, like they can't hardly see. They're legally blind, you know, like as newborns. So they hear you, you know, but that's how they recognize you as infants is by your voice. But when I walked in the room and he looked over, you know, and he, and I was just, you first, come in the house talking and I he come turned. in the house. Yeah. And he just turned and he saw me and he, you know, I wasn't talking, you know, I just came mm. in and he's locked eyes with me and, and he smiled and he was like stoked his dad was home. Mm, you know? A smile. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, I'm that moment I'll just have forever, you know, like, and then just like the whole pregnancy thing, dude, like giving birth, like in that moment, dude, like a lot can happen. Your son can die. Your wife can die. They both can die. You know, like there's a lot that can go on and all these things start turning in your head and you feel helpless, you know, and there ain't shit you can do until, you know, until that baby's out and then it's game on, you know. It makes you feel a little small though, huh? Dude, so humbling, man. And then like I never prayed so hard because Bodhi got sick, like first first week or so were really rough he wasn't eating he was losing a bunch of weight they were saying he had jaundice and all this shit and it's just scary and then like i don't think i ever prayed so hard in my entire life like knees on the ground praying you know and just for god to 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 heal our baby and let the milk come in you know and just like you just feel so so small you know like in that moment it's like like imagine surfing like the biggest day how small you feel out there oh dude you know times a million where you're like i'm so insignificant right now that i don't even matter this much what everything that matters is this little child being born you know and well i think that what you said is pretty insightful to go okay innately there was a trigger inside me that i know i'm the I am the provider and protector of this community that is placed in my hand, my wife and my son. And when you came to a moment of feeling as though you didn't have the answer that you, that you turn to, I mean, for you, God, right. You turn to God to go, there's something bigger. There's something that designed this whole thing. And there comes a point where, I'm not God of my world and there's something else that I need. And I think that that's the beauty of what a loving father should look like is one who gives it all, gives everything, continues, and not in a bitchy, cry, whiny victim, but to go, God, I need you to be here with me and support me through this process. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we always hear, Oh God, everything happens for a reason. God has a plan and you never seem to understand God's plan. It's always like encrypted and like good luck figuring it out. You know what I mean? But I did, I figured it out and it was so apparent when I did is that my son was literally starving for like two weeks. You know, we thought he was getting milk and he wasn't, you know, and that was, crazy and and it was almost like a life or death situation in a sense and i feel like because i felt like i was so close to losing that 
It made me love it so much more and cherish it so much more than I would have had things just gone smooth. Hmm. If everything just went smooth, I'd have, you know, I wouldn't have had this sense of like, man, even if I got to be a dad for a week, it was the coolest thing that I had ever got to do. You know mm. what I mean? And I had, I had to tell myself that because your thoughts race, man, as a man, like, I don't know if other people are this way, but my head always goes to the worst case scenario. Yeah, you're, you know? you're, like, you're, you're processing what happens if the worst happens. What yeah. do I do if the worst yeah, happens? Exactly. And just, just feeling like I was just tiptoeing on the edge of life or death with my son made me love him so much maybe maybe not love him so much more but maybe realize how easy it can be taken away you know and just how precious it is and how important my role as a father is you yeah. know even for an infant mm-hmm. like you think there's nothing you can do it's not that's not the case you know there's so much you can do as a as a dad to a newborn to just make a bottle or get up in the middle of the night and feed a bottle or you support know. your wife, man. Yeah, and just support your wife is like the main thing because she just went through hell and back giving birth. And now she's two days out of the hospital after that. Like I've been laid up in hospital beds for weeks at a time, you know, and come home and then you have months to recover from an injury. Which, without a without yeah. a little life sucker. Yeah, and a pocket full of pain pills, you know, you're stoked. You're you're like numbed on everything. You don't have to do shit. Your wife's wiping your ass for you when now it's quite the opposite. She just did anything gnarlier than anything I've ever gone through. Yeah. By choice to do it natural <laughs> and then to come home with a prescription of ibuprofen and not even take them and then have to now feed and nurture a child and then to find out you're not nurturing your child, you know, Mm. like for her, like I feel like breastfeeding is such a huge bonding experience with a mother and an infant that for her to feel like she was failing her, her, her child at that man, like I had seen her heartbroken, like I'd never seen her before and weeping and crying. And you know that they're in that moment, there's not a damn thing you can do besides support her and love her and tell her that she's doing everything that she can and she's kicking ass, even though in her own head she feels like she's completely failing this child because it's the one thing she has to do. And, and the she, days feel so long. Dude, you know, so before long. you know it, a couple of weeks are past and things are things are golden. Yeah. You know, but yeah. in the moment it feels like, dude, because the days are like Yeah, dude, it was like the first six weeks. I think as dudes listen to this, if you're having a kid that first six weeks, just prep up to be the freaking man, supportive, awake, alert, prepared. Dude, and then through the childbirth, like, they're, dude, no video, no book, no class, nothing you're going to do is going to prepare you for that. Yeah. My friend was calling me. He's having, he just had a baby. He was born the other day. And he's like, man, I just really need my friends right now. And he's reaching out to me. And by the end of the conversation, he's like, man, I called the wrong guy, dude. Like <laughs> you didn't ease my mind at all. Cause I was just like, bro, you're so in for it. You have no idea. But at a, in a good way, in a dude, good way. it's wild. Yeah. Well, Paul, dude, you are a great dad every time. I mean, we're pretty close and I know you pretty well. 
but you, you always amaze me and, uh, you are a great dad. You're going to continue to be a great dad. And just, especially I think, and you've shown this, we just haven't said it, keep loving your wife really well, because I think that really creates that calm, non-chaotic, stable home that gives a child that safe, comfortable place to come home to and grow up in, even when the world feels crazy. The world does feel crazy, man. But if you put your phone away and turn the TV off, you know, it's, it doesn't feel so crazy, man. And I think that's a really wise statement because although I do, you and I talked about this the other night, although as men who go out into the workforce and women who go out in the world, we do encounter the world and we need to be aware and not naive and be a light and play a role in making the world a great place. But your own home, you get to create what the world is. And like, do you, are you on the phone? Are you listening to all the news? And are you like, your home is just as chaotic as the world outside? Yeah. Hell no. You create your world in your home. So what are you bringing in there? I have to check myself constantly. And one thing that I, it's so sad to even say out loud, but some days I realize like, dude, I held my phone longer than I held my son today. Mm. And it's, and that's not just one day. It's like often where I'm like, dude, I've been on my phone, whether it's work stuff for shopping for houses or cars or whatever and you know i held my son for 30 minutes but i've definitely been on my phone for hours out of the day you know so i've been checking myself lately on that like dude go you want to pick your phone up and thumb through instagram go hold your kid you know yeah. it's way cooler than it, yeah you know, dude that's powerful anything you're gonna see on the internet you know and and dude we could we could end with this right here you know the text i sent out today this morning every wednesday is, is and today was a quote by mother Teresa: if you want to change the world go home and love your family yeah what another great episode you know what i've learned from these podcasts is that one yes life is messy for everyone but two if you dig in and get to know people If you're curious and you ask questions, you will learn that there are really good people out there intentionally living their lives. I was so intrigued by learning from Paul on his view of debt, no credit cards, his intentionality and purpose around living simple, and the focus on creating a calm home. So significant, hard to do, simple, and very significant. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood.